Okay. Good evening. We'll give you some more time here at the end to uh, continue your conversations at each of the tables. Welcome to session two of the Spirit-Led Man. And I want to start by uh, just going back in, in Matthew, Pastor Matthew alluded to this earlier, but I want to remind you of this surfing analogy because I think that's one of the pictures God gave us for this course regarding what he wants to do among us. And the, the surfing analogy, of course, is that we need the wave to surf. And the wave represents the movement of the Holy Spirit. And the good news is, is that for every single one of us in here, the Holy Spirit is active and he is at work in your life. And so the invitation is for each of us to grow in our discernment and our awareness of what is the Holy Spirit doing, how is he moving, and then for us to get in alignment with him, to paddle with the wave, cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and then to hang on and enjoy the ride. And so uh, tonight I want to talk about one way that we can grow in our discernment of spotting the waves. And one of the ways that we can spot the waves, one of the ways we can uh, identify the movement of the Holy Spirit in our life, whether it's in our family, our work, our personal life, is by paying close attention to what God has spoken and what God is speaking. See, when God speaks, things happen. Would you agree with that? I mean, think about Isaiah 55. The, the, uh, the scriptures are saying that when God speaks, there's not a single word that returns to him void. Every single word that comes out of the mouth of God produces fruit. It does the very thing that God intends for it to do. So in other words, when God speaks, it creates this wave. And when we listen and when we hear and when we obey that's when we stay in alignment with what God is doing. And so what I want to talk about tonight is I want, to, I want to share a message called Our Speaking Guide. Our Speaking Guide. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as our guide. Now, last week I shared a story about an invitation my brother gave me to surf. And you, that invitation immediately filled me with excitement and anticipation and joy. Well, there was a different invitation that I received much earlier in my life that did not fill me with excitement and, and joy. In, in fact, it filled me with fear. And so what happened was my parents approached me when I was about 12 years old. And they thought this was going to be exciting. But uh, as a 12-year-old, this was not exciting to me. They said, Gabe, this summer we're going to take a family white water rafting trip down the Royal Gorge. And they, they wanted to hype it up a little bit. And so they said, we're gonna, there's going to be some intense rapids. This is going to be amazing. And there's even a waterfall that we're going to raft over. And so they were thinking that the more they, you know, they hyped this up, the, the more excited I was going to become. But in my little 12-year-old mind, they said, waterfall. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Like Niagara <laughs> is what I'm picturing. And I'm looking down at my little prepubescent 12-year-old arms, and I'm thinking, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to stay in that raft. And so I was, I was literally scared. And, and they said, do you want to come? <laughs> well, sure, yes, I guess. What's the other option, to stay home alone for a week as a 12-year-old? And so I said, yes, I'll go. And so we drove to Colorado and we connected with the, 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 the raft company, and we met our guide. And before I knew it, we were on the river. 
And our, our guide was a college kid that during the summers for, for a vacation slash job, he would guide people down this death trap of a river. So we're thinking, oh, great, we've got the college kid. So right away, we, we get into the raft. We're on the water. It's, it's calm water. And the guide, college boy back here, starts barking out orders. He said, okay, let's practice. Left, left, right, right. You know, and we're, so we're practicing. We're listening. And he kept going and going. And before long, we started to get a little bored with his instructions because there was some amazing scenery. We started getting distracted because the water was calm. We didn't have to listen to Guide Boy. And so we were kind of doing our own thing. And he, he didn't stop. He was trying to prepare us. He knew what was coming. And so he was so intentional to prepare us for what was coming by saying, okay, stay with it. Listen to my voice. Do what I'm telling you to do. Get used to it now. Well, fast forward down the river. And we're approaching Sunshine Falls. It's this very serious rapid. And so he says... Uh, okay, let's pull, pull the raft over because I want you to see this rapid before we go through it because I want to coach you through this. I want to tell you in advance what I want you to do. So sure enough, we, we pulled the raft over. We're gathered on the side of Sunshine Falls. It's loud. You can hear the roar of the waterfall. It's hard to hear. And he starts telling us what we're going to do. And everybody was leaning in hanging on his every word. I've never seen a group of adults so eager to listen to a college kid before. I mean, it was amazing because of, the, because of the waterfall. And I think this is a picture of what happens with us and God. Because God is such a brilliant guide. And he knows what's coming. And he is so intentional. He is so engaged to prepare us for what's coming. But oftentimes as men, we get a little bored. And when things are calm, we think, ah, I don't know if I really need a guide today. I think I've got this. But when we come close to the waterfall in life, when things are uncertain and, and things are scary, then it's like, God, tell me what to do. But here's what I want to suggest tonight. Yes, God will speak to us on the edge of the waterfalls in life. He's faithful. But sometimes it's hard to hear him because of fear and uncertainty and everything swirling inside of us. It's hard to say, God, where are you? What are you telling me to do? And yet God is saying, I want to start to train you to hear my voice when things are calm when you might be bored, when you might feel like it's just an ordinary day at the office and you pack your breakfast and you kiss your wife goodbye and you go, it's like this is just a normal day. Those are the days when God says, okay, I want to teach you to hear my voice today. I want you to lean in and listen to me today because the more we do this when things are calm, when we come to those seasons of, of waterfall, our ears will be trained to hear the voice of the guide. I like what Dallas Willard said Dallas Willard is a, uh, I, I, just a brilliant man, and he wrote a book about hearing God. And uh, one of the things he said in his book, he said, our failure to hear his voice when we want to is due to the fact that we do not in general want to hear it, that we want it only when we think we need it. 
Those are some pointed words. But I think there's a lot of truth if we're honest. I think if, if we're not careful, we can make a habit of only coming and calling to God and crying out to God and, or even talking to God when we're desperate, when, when we don't know what else to do. And it's better to call out to him in those moments than not. But again, I believe the invitation is, hey, listen to me every day, even when you don't feel like you need me. Those are precisely the times to lean in and listen. But think about this as a guide. A good guide, and I'll, I'll admit, I was making fun of, of our college guy, but he was a really good guide because he knew what was coming on the river. He was very engaged. He knew what to say at the right time to make sure we were in the right place. That's what a good guide does. A, a good guide knows what they're doing. And that is precisely true of the Holy Spirit as guide. Regarding your life, the Holy Spirit knows what's coming. He's so engaged and present. And he is absolutely brilliant at speaking the right thing at the right time to make sure you're positioned right where he wants you to be if we'll listen and pay attention. See, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as a guide in John 16, verse 13. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. See, the Holy Spirit is a guide, and a good guide speaks. Can we agree on that? A good guide speaks. Can you imagine college boy getting in the, in the raft and saying, okay, I am your guide as we go down this dangerous river, and it is true that people die in, in these rapids, but I'm going to be with you, but I'm not going to speak. Just go with your gut. Just trust your gut instincts, but I'm not going to speak. No, he was, he was so good at leading us through the different nuances of the river and helping us to navigate things that we did not know because we had not been there before. And yet here we have Jesus saying, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he knows what's coming, and he will guide you into all the truth, and he will speak what he hears. Now, I want to I pause just for a moment because I believe there are some men here tonight when it comes to God speaking, the Holy Spirit speaking to us as a guide at a personal level. I believe some of you are a little skeptical at this. And, and something inside of you might kind of uh, shrink back from this idea of, of God speaking. Lily Tomlin is a comedian, and she said, why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? But it, it kind of makes sense. Wow, oh, God spoke to you, huh? God really told you to do that? And yet you're like, ah, oh, that just didn't... didn't add up. It just doesn't make sense. Because I think all of us have been around people who have said, God told me to do it, but it was something really weird, and it was really bizarre, and God probably wasn't in it. And, and then the temptation is to think, nah, God doesn't speak. Or to become cynical and think, I, I don't want to be a weird one. 
And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to assume that God doesn't speak. And I, I think uh, what's important for us is to acknowledge, yes, some people do some really weird things under the banner of God told me to. But I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit's not weird. I really believe that. I think people are weird, and people do some weird things and blame it on the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap out of the deal. But I think the reality is, again, yes, people do some weird things and blame it on God. But, but the truth is, he is a speaking God. So we can't wipe the whole thing out because of some weird things that, that we didn't quite get. I think we have to come back to this place of saying, okay, I want to camp out at this place that the Holy Spirit is engaged He's near, and he's personal, and he wants to speak. And if we'll just camp out right there, that's a really good place to be. So there are some people here, I, I think, that you, you might be skeptical when it comes to this idea of the Holy Spirit speaking at a personal level. I think there are a lot of you in here who you believe it, but you haven't experienced it in a long time. And when I was praying this morning, what I sensed, God speaking regarding tonight as he was saying there are some men here who have walked with me for a long time but they haven't heard from me in a long time and their relationship with me has gone stale a little bit and I sense God leaning in with just this smile and this anticipation in his heart he's not condemning you because you haven't heard him he, there's nothing wrong with you but he's leaning in with this anticipation saying I want to speak some fresh words to you there are some fresh things that I want to impart into your heart and soul that are, is going to awaken something in you a good father leaning into his son excited to speak to you so consider that an invitation. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe if you're honest, you're like, ah, things have gone a little stale. I believe God speaks. I don't think this is, I don't think this is weird, but ah, I really haven't heard him say much lately. And just know that he's leaning into you, eager to speak some fresh words into your heart. I want to dig a little bit deeper into this idea of God speaking. Uh, but first, I want to talk about some other ways that God guides us. Because uh, God's voice, the, God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, is not the only way that, that God guides us. God guides us in a lot of different ways. First of all, with the Word. I mean, that, that should be obvious. But if we don't highlight that and if people don't have a foundation in the Scriptures, in the Word, it is so easy to get off track and end up in the ditch Again, regarding, ah, God told me to do this. No, he didn't. So God guides us in the word. Psalm 119, your lamp, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. It's so true. The scriptures, they, they light our path. So God guides us clearly through his word. He guides us through his peace. Have you ever had a situation where you were facing, uh, you were facing a decision and you weren't quite sure what to do? And... You made up your mind, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And as you set out to do that, you were lacking peace. Well, God guides us with peace or through a lack of peace. Colossians 3.15, the word says, let peace rule in your hearts. 
and minds. And so if we're not experiencing peace, if we set out in a direction, if we make up our mind, this is where I'm going, this is what I'm going to do, but we're lacking peace, God is trying to communicate. He's trying to guide us. In fact, this is one of the very first ways I started to experience God's guidance in my life. Because this is way before I started to discern his voice. I had no idea that God was a a speaking God through the Holy Spirit. But I did know what it felt like to not have peace. And at the time, I was, I was in college, and I was in a, a very serious relationship, and we were engaged to be married, and I didn't have peace. And I just sensed that this is not right, but I ignored the lack of peace. And I decided, no, this is what I want to do. And so I continued to, to push forward, and I tried to distract myself from the reality that I lacked peace, but God was persistent. And this lack of peace kept coming front and center, front and center. Now, here's what will happen, because a lack of peace, in a way, is like the check engine light. It's blinking. God is trying to say, something needs attention here. But if we ignore the check engine light, what's going to happen? We're going to end up regretting it. And that's the same thing when we're lacking peace, but we ignore that check engine light. God is saying, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. No, God, I got this. We'll end up regretting it every time. So that's what happened for me. I I ignored the lack of peace. And so God moved on to the next thing, which is another way he leads us. He leads us by opening and closing doors. He leads us through situations. So in my case, she left me with my best friend. You can laugh. It's okay. (laughs) I wasn't laughing at the time. But now I'm like, oh, God, thank you so much. You saved me. Thank you for your kindness. But it's true. If God is, is leading us with peace or a lack of peace, and if we ignore it, okay, well, he might have to close that door. And we see this all the way throughout Scripture, how God leads his people through circumstances. We see this in Acts as Jesus is opening certain doors for Paul, and he's closing other doors. We see this in the Old Testament with, uh, with pretty much everybody. Think about Joseph. God guided him through circumstances. He ended up in prison. Then he ended up second in command. God guided him through circumstances. And so that's just the reality. In our walk with God, God will guide us through circumstances. God will also guide us through impressions, visions, and dreams. Think about the people in Scripture who God guided them and communicated to them through visions and dreams. Even in the book of Acts with Paul and Peter, he would communicate to them through visions. Uh, another way is godly counsel. If you open up the book of Proverbs, it's really easy to spot the value of godly counsel. I can look around the room here and just as I've sat with people and, and listened to your godly counsel and the blessing that has been in my life, godly counsel is a key way that God guides us. And there are, there are more. Uh, one more is through our wife. Can I get an Amen. Think about Pontius Pilate, right? God was, was trying to get his attention to his wife. He wasn't listening. He wasn't paying attention. But that is a way that God can, can guide us. There are so many examples in my life when God has helped guide us through Ashley, my wife. And one quick example of this is we were renting a house 
uh, a few years ago, and we were in the process of trying to buy our first house. And my wife was so excited. She had been nesting. She was like, oh, just set me loose on our own house, and I'll, I'll just do wonders with this place. And so she was so eager to, to buy a house and have the freedom to do what she wanted instead of asking uh, the landlord. But the problem was is that we were in a contract. We were in a lease for a long time. And this house came available, and my wife was like, let's do it. I think, I think this is the house that God has for us. Let's, let's go forward. And I said, no, let's not. Because I'm looking at the budget. I'm looking at the numbers. And I, I'm thinking, I do not want several months of paying a mortgage and rent. That's wasting thousands of dollars. But she would not relent. She was... She was like, I've been praying about this, and I feel a real peace about this. I think God is wanting us to step into this situation in trust. I'm like, I don't think so. (laughs) You know where this is going, right? I don't even have to finish the story. You just know where this is going. And so she said, Gabe, will you at least pray about it? Checkmate. So I said, yes, I'll pray about it. And so I did. I started praying and saying, God, this doesn't make sense. You know, you, uh, I just want to bring you up to speed on the numbers here. <laughs> this is why it doesn't make sense, because this is, a, this is not good stewardship, God. It's not good stewardship. Wasting thousands of dollars. And yet I heard the Holy Spirit say, will you trust me? And he said, step into this and trust me. God, you mean she's right? <laughs> and so I, I went back to her. I said, I think, I think you're right. It's hard for me to say this, but Ashley, I think God is asking us to step into this. So long story short, uh, we we sign the papers, we sign on the dotted line, we're locked in. And the landlord said, you're you're on the hook. So if if nobody else comes along, you're going to have to pay. And that was was really clear. Well, a couple months passed, and nobody had... uh, Nobody had come along, and so it was not looking good at all. Well, two days before I had to write the first check for the double payment, they called and said, hey, guess what? Somebody came along. You're off the hook. And my wife was smiling, and and God was smiling, and I was smiling. But that was an example of God was guiding us. And he used my wife. He, he used peace. There are multiple things in here that he used. He spoke to us. He also gave me a, a picture in my spirit, too, when I was praying. It was stepping out of the boat. He's saying, you're going to have to step out of your, your little comfortable boat here and trust me. So he used multiple ways, but at the end of the day, here's the key. He was faithful. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was a faithful guide and he showed up at the right time. So there are, there are multiple ways that God guides us. The voice of the Spirit is not the only one. And we shouldn't neglect the voice of the Spirit. May we be men who recognize, yeah, God guides us in different ways, but may we have a hunger for the voice of the Spirit. May we lean in the voice of the Spirit. Jesus painted a great picture in John 10 regarding listening to the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said the gatekeeper 
this is John 10, verses 3 through 5. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. First of all, isn't it really good news that Jesus, as the great shepherd, goes ahead of us? Because that right there tells us we don't have to figure this life out alone. We don't have to chart our own course. Jesus goes on ahead of us, and he calls to us, and he whispers to us. And his sheep, you and I, have the privilege of learning to recognize the sound of his voice. And that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to recognizing his voice. That's the key. It's recognition. So a question that many men ask is, well, how do I know that it's really God speaking? How many times have you had a situation where you've been praying and you've been wrestling with something and you've been unsure of what to do, and yet you have a thought pop into your head? And the question you ask yourself is what? Is that really God? Or is that my thought? Or did I eat a bad pizza? Like, what? How, how do I really know that that's God? That's a good question. People ask, ask that question often. And I think it's a great question. How do you know? Well, it comes back to this idea of learning to recognize the voice of the shepherd. And how do you learn to recognize? Well, the same Jesus who spoke the red letters in the Gospels, that's the exact same Jesus who speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. So that really, that is not a mystery. The more we fill our heart and mind with the red letters and the truth of what Jesus put in the Gospels, that's training our ears to recognize his voice. There are no shortcuts. We can't microwave this. This is just the reality. When we fill our heart and we fill our mind with the truth of Scripture, we're tuning our ears to recognize the voice. Oh, there he is. That was him. How do you know? I know it was him. Well, how do you know? I recognized his voice. The Bible talks about the, the fragrance of Christ. Have you ever been listening to somebody and they're talking about a story and they're sharing something that God spoke to them and it just has the fragrance of Christ to it? It's like, yeah, that sounds like the same Jesus I know. Because it carries, it carries the fragrance of Christ. It's like, it, it's hard to describe, but you know it's him. That's him. It's similar to how we can learn to recognize uh, smells. Right, you walk into Home Depot, and it's like, oh, that is a glorious smell. Well, what is it? It's Home Depot. How do you know? That's Home Depot, baby. That is Home Depot. I, I wish they had a candle that just smelled like Home Depot. Just light that thing and set it right here. But there are, we, we can just recognize certain smells. Or you can recognize certain sounds. My dad, when I was young, he would whistle. I could be blocks away. And he would whistle, and I would recognize, oh, that's him. I got to go. Because I would learn to recognize the sound of his whistle. And it's the same thing. When we fill, again, I just want to emphasize this. 
when we fill our hearts with the scripture, we learn to recognize truth. Because the process of learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit really is the process of learning to discern truth. It's the same thing. So as we, as we grow in our ability to discern truth through the scriptures, we're learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So there's an invitation for all of us. I think God is saying, go deeper in the scriptures. Go deeper. Here's another question, the last question that I hear often. Is, is the first question is, well, how do I know it's really God? The second question is, is, well, why don't I hear God? I hear all these other people talk about hearing God, but when I pray... I just hear silence. What's up with that? And I mentioned this uh, briefly last week, but I think it is really, really important to pay attention to how we interpret silence because for many men, you interpret silence to mean, well, God doesn't want to speak to me. And so when we pray and we experience silence, we assume God doesn't want to speak to me, and so we kind of lean away, and a wall goes up. God's not going to speak to me, and we make an inner vow sometimes. And then we become cynical of other people when it comes to hearing God. Be careful of that. That's hook, line, and sinker, exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to separate you from this intimate, passionate God. And one of the best ways he can do it is God doesn't want to speak to you. See, silence. Silence. And sometimes one of the most courageous things a man can ever do is possess the courage to listen again. Because silence is not evidence that God doesn't want to speak. Silence is actually an important part of the process of hearing him. Silence actually leads us closer to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I had an, just two days ago, I had, a, uh, I had something happen that was a reminder of this in my life. So I was, something was going on, and I was trying to, trying to sort out, how do, I, how do I respond to this? There were a lot of dynamics at play. It was tricky. It wasn't black, black or white. It wasn't clear what I should do. But I was irritated. I was aggravated. And so I made up my mind, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then I thought, no, that's not the right thing to do. I said, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What are you saying about this situation? Silence. Okay, I got to focus. Holy Spirit, I gotta, I'm, fo- I'm locked in. You're here. You're with me. You're present. What are you saying about this situation? Silence. And my, my initial reaction, this was just split second. My initial reaction was, ah, oh, he's not going to speak to me about that. And so I went back to leaning towards what I had decided to do. And then I remembered, wait a minute, silence does not equal God does not want to speak. That was a double negative, wasn't it? <laughs> but... I need to embrace silence. I need to lean into silence. I need to be okay with silence because when I lean into silence, I'm leaning into the voice of the Spirit, and it might take a while. And so that's what I did. I leaned into the silence, and there was more silence. And then I heard him say, 
I love you. God, that was not the answer to my question. I wanted, a, I wanted the formula. I wanted you to guide me. I wanted you to tell me what to do. And yet at the end of a long period of silence, he whispers, I love you. And so I just let that settle on my heart. And it started to make sense. That was exactly what I needed to hear. And the more I allowed the truth of how he loves me to, to fill my heart, so to speak, I started to view the situation differently. That was all I needed to hear. He's so brilliant. But I had to embrace the silence, stay with the silence, and lean into it. And men, when it comes to listening to the Holy Spirit, he will say, I love you over and over and over again. It's like we forget or something. And not only will he say, I love you to us, but he'll want to say, I love you to other people through us. And we're going to close with one final story. And with this story, I want to invite Chad Jeffries. Uh, he has a short story of the voice of the Holy Spirit asking him to step well out of his comfort zone in order to communicate something really, really important. So this is Chad. Thank you. So uh, my wife, Wendy, and I, we have four kids Three girls and a boy. Our daughters are all uh, married, and uh, we have one grandson. Daughters uh, married, great young men. My son is 20, just turned 20, and uh, I'm super proud of all my kids. I'm super proud of my son. He's an amazing leader, and uh, he's, an, he's incredibly influential with people. He is, uh, he's, he's got a gift with people. He can, when my grandson was born, he can confidently and lovingly hold a, a one-day-old baby, which a lot of guys, that's, that's, that could be tough, especially, I think he was 18 at the time. And he can also talk to guys in their 80s and, and carry on great conversations. He, uh, he's a leader at work. They've, his boss has put him in charge in his construction job of whole crews, and um, He's just, he's accomplished an amazing number of things for having just turned 20. As many of you know, uh, dads and sons, when, they're, when sons are teenagers or early 20s, uh, dads and sons can butt heads. And if your son is a leader uh, and, and has some different ideas about how your house should be led, you can really butt heads, <laughs> And, and enter into conflict. And uh, my son and I had entered into conflict not just for a few months, but for a few years. And last March, he uh, moved out of the home, and our conflict and the strain in our relationship was at an all-time high. And, um, uh, and so that, that uh, was, was sort of the, the state of last spring, 
And in June and July, uh, Pastor Gabe put on the Conquer series, and a friend of mine and I were, were going to that. And on the last night uh, in, in the middle of July, the, the speaker on uh, this series said that he was talking about how many men went down really difficult and even terrible paths in their teens and early 20s because they did not know that their dad was there for them, that their dad loved them, that, that there was acceptance. And, and this arrow just like came out of the video and just pierced my heart. It was like, in all of the conflict that my son and I have, does he know that I love him? Does he know that I am proud of him? Does he know that I uh, believe in him? And um, it, it, was a, uh, it was a difficult thing to process through. And I don't remember if it was right then or if it was later on that evening. But before I left the, the World Prayer Center where we were having the uh, session at, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, but I didn't know it was him at first. But he said this in a split second. Have you ever had a, a full, complete thought come to you in just a split second? Uh, in just a split second, this thought came to me. Uh, I want you to go down to your son's place and tell him what the father said to Jesus when he was baptized and coming up out of the water. You're my son, and I love you, and with you I'm well pleased. And... Uh, I started arguing with that idea because uh, God was talking to Jesus and my son was not Jesus. And neither was I. <laughs> um, and, but the Holy Spirit uh, began speaking to me because I didn't want to just say words. I wanted to believe the words that I was going to say. And I wanted them to mean something. And, and the Holy Spirit said, um, but you are glad that he's your son, aren't you? You're pleased that he's your son. And I was like, yeah, there's not another guy on the planet that I would want to have as my son. I love him. And um, all of a sudden it dawned on me, this might be the Holy Spirit <laughs> saying something. Uh, because usually I overthink things. I don't know if any anyone else has that problem, but and I come up with really complicated, complex, you know, resolutions to simple things. So when I have an idea that's simple and wise, it usually is not from me. <laughs> and, and so I started listening to it. And, and a couple of other things about it really told me that it was the Holy Spirit. It was doable. It was from the Word of God. And I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and usually... If the Holy Spirit speaks right at first, I don't want to do it. And um, then it dawned on me, this is the Holy Spirit telling me to do this. And uh, I had made a decision years ago that, that anytime I heard the Holy Spirit, I would do it because I wanted him to keep speaking to me, knowing that I would follow through with what he asked me to do. And so... I was sunk. I, I, I had to do it. And so my plan was to go home and do it another time. But I was going to do it. 
But I wrestled with uh, that idea from room 107 until I got out to my car. By the time I got into my car, I was so troubled. It was like, I have got to go down there right now. There's no way I'll be able to get to sleep. I probably wouldn't be able to talk to my wife uh, until I follow through with what God had asked me to do. And uh, so I drove down to his place. And when I got there, I, I found his truck. It was the first time I had ever been to his place. He had, he had moved out months before, but I had never been there, and, uh, which gives a picture of how strained our relationship was. And I sent him a text, and I just said, um, hey, I'm, I'm parked out behind your truck, and uh, do you have a second to talk? And he texted back, and he said, yeah. And, and so he came out. And he opens the door, and immediately he's like, did something bad happen? And, and I said, no, no, everything's okay. And as a dad, you always hate it when you're, you ask your kids to talk to them, and they immediately think something bad has happened. Um, he sits in the car, and uh, even in all of our conflict, one of the things that we would often do is, is, is the good man hug. You know, you put out your hand, and and he grabs it, and you pull him in, and then you slap each other on the back, and you know, hoo-ah. And, uh, and so I put my hand out, and he grabbed my hand, and I just, I looked him right in the eye, and I said, there's something that I need you to know. You're my son, and I love you, and I'm pleased with you. Mm -hmm. And there's not another guy on this planet that I would want to have for my son than you. And I need you to know that. And God asked me to come down here and tell you that. And right at that moment, the presence of God filled my car. And my son and I just embraced. This wasn't that long ago, so uh, it's a little hard to talk about. And, you know, we're crying, <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, we're just speaking words of life to each other, and we're honoring one another. He's saying stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. I never <laughs> thought I would hear my son say stuff like that, you know, as he was talking about his love for me and for his mom. And um, I, I just marveled at what God had just done. And uh, after we got through talking, um, he went back into his apartment, and I'm driving home. And, and I, I just, it was one of those times where I couldn't help. I just was laughing. I was crying. I was worshiping uh, because, because of what God had done in, in just a, a short amount of time. And that I, I had left, I was thinking about it, I left home with three years of incredible strain and pain in my relationship with my son. And in a split second, the Spirit of God told me to do something that sounded nuts. And after wrestling for a, quite a while, I did it, and the presence of God showed up, and now my, my relationship with my son is completely changed mm -hmm. and completely on a new trajectory. 
And this was not just a momentary thing last July. We've been meeting nearly every week, having dinner and talking about whatever he wants to talk about. And uh, as, I, as I was driving home, I just was overwhelmed with thanksgiving and just worship to the Lord. I, I don't know if you've had the, a moment like that where I, I couldn't contain it. It just was, I just was so overwhelmed with what God had just done. It was, it was, it was incredible. And uh, so I went home and told my wife, and of course she was pretty ecstatic about the whole thing. Uh, and uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Isn't God good? Thank you. That's a beautiful story. And I wanted to end with that because it illustrates two really important things. Number one is, again, it goes back to it, it's not the behavior that, that determines the love of the Father. It's just the reality that He's your son. And I believe that's prophetic for us tonight, that God is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, you are my son whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. And then the, the second part of that is oftentimes the Holy Spirit will ask us to do things that just, it, it's just doesn't add up. But will we possess the courage to step into that? And you did it, Chad. You stepped into it. You found the wave, what are you saying? And there was a Kairos moment when God showed up. And it was beautiful. And that is a picture of what God has for all of us. So let's pray. God, you truly are a God who whispers, I love you, to us all day. May we have ears to hear it. This year, may we lean in and, and listen. Teach us to embrace the silence, to lean into the silence, to stay with the silence so we can hear your whisper. And Father, we pray that, that you would give us the courage to follow you, to step out and obey you with a radical courage and a boldness as we become more and more a spirit-led man. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen.